All right, friends, we are back. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave from Chase the Summit. And boy, I feel like this is going to be a really good episode. That's kind of weird to say because I'm literally sitting here by myself, but I've got a lot to talk about. So uh, thanks for joining me back on the podcast. We're doing it. I forget what episode this is, but it's another week in review. Um, In these podcasts, I like to go over what happened, you know, in my personal life, in my training throughout the week, and then we also touch on what happened in like the uh, fitness tech and wearable tech and technology as a whole uh, space for fitness and wearables and all that kind of things. And then I kind of do that at the end with some news and updates and firmware updates or whatever came out during the week. So it's kind of a mishmash of everything. And I feel like it's just an outlet for me to kind of uh, recoup my thoughts at the end of the week. Today is Thursday, the 12th of May. And the kids are out of the house. My wife just left with the baby, so I can finally do my podcast in relative quietness. Is that a word? It is now. Okay, so uh, I've got a lot to cover in today's episode. And before we get into everything, I just want to remind you to hit the follow or subscribe or whatever it is you do on podcasts, because that really helps me out. I'm trying to grow this podcast into something. And the more people that listen, uh, the more energy I want to put into it. So far, it's been picking up steam, and that's really exciting for me. So uh, if you're listening now, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A couple of other things. If you are interested in any Chase the Summit merch, the merch store is fully in stock. I know I mentioned this probably too much self-promotion, but I feel like if I don't mention it, people don't know. So go check out the links in the show notes for the merch store, where we've got trucker hats and running shirts and buffs and all kinds of stuff. Very exciting. Very proud of the merch we've got there. Okay, so uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different uh, because I've got a race that I just participated in last weekend uh, and a lot happened that day. So I kind of want to walk through the whole thing and give you sort of a recap breakdown of the day as a whole. And then we're going to go into the news and some other stuff uh, along the way. Uh, but, you know, it's it's been crazy around here lately. I've been trying to keep up with the YouTube channel, which has been really hard lately, because if you haven't heard me babble on about this before, the Dylan family is actually getting ready to move. Uh, we've currently in the middle of uh, agreements on our house to be sold. We're in the process of buying a new house. There's so much going on, and it is so stressful and overwhelming. And I tell you, that stress... Uh, has worn on me in such a physical way. It's really taken a toll on my like training, my ability to feel like I can run for long distances. It's just something that is always in the back of your mind. It it is so stressful. Um, You know, there's so much that can go wrong with these types of things. And when I've got, I've got four little kids on, you know, depending on me to provide a roof over their head And being in limbo is just such an uncertain feeling that I do not like. So that's kind of what's been going on behind the scenes over here. Uh, But I digress. We are in the, we're almost done. We're kind of in the home stretch, but it's going to be a long process. I feel like all the major decisions have been made, but there's still so much more to do. Um, And then between like storage space and hiring movers and everything. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I digress. On top of all that, we've uh, we've also had all all three of our boys. We've got four kids, three boys and one girl who's a, a baby. Uh, but all three boys are currently playing baseball. <laughs> so I'm kind of like a baseball dad now. And 
it's like every single day this week, every day we have baseball from one of the kids. That has been also very challenging with training because typically my wife works out or does her runs before work. Like she, she wakes up the crack of dawn, uh, 4am, you know, sometimes, and she'll go out and do her run. And then typically like my time is after everybody is in bed or after work. So this baseball routine has really thrown a wrench in that process. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of been a challenge. So that is what it is in. We're all, we're all struggling here. We're all trying to get through it. Uh, but I'll stop babbling on about personal life and move on to what you guys probably guys and girls have probably come for. And that is to talk about the race and the news. So, uh, before I move on, I like to, in these little, in these podcasts, I like to talk about what I'm working on on the YouTube channel, because odds are, if you're here on the podcast, you probably know about the YouTube channel. And if you don't go check out the YouTube channel, because that's where most of my content lives. What I'm working on right now uh, is a couple of things. So I just posted a race video and we're going to talk about that in great detail here. But I also have a few other things on the back burner, currently working on uh, Garmin Phoenix 7 versus Instinct 2 video, because this is a question I get asked all the time. Uh, Polar Pacer against the reverse, the Coros Pace 2, because those two watches are so similar when it comes to price and features and even their names. <laughs> they both have the word pace in their names. Uh, so I'm doing a video about those comparing the two side by side. I've also got a video coming out about the uh, five must ha have items for trail runners, which I, I'm going to touch on a lot of the things I packed for the race I just participated in and kind of go through, you know, what I packed in my vest, what I had in my drop bag and kind of all the details around that. I've also got a video coming out about the, the new Insta 361 RS that's been sitting on my desk for a little while now. And I really need to unbox it and get it out there. Just haven't had a chance. Been super busy, man. And finally, we've got some head headphone videos coming up. I'm just gonna, so here's the full disclaimer. Companies left and right send me headphones, like earbuds. I've got probably like 50 pairs of earbuds and probably 20 of them are still wrapped in plastic in their box. So I think like on a weekly basis now, I'm just gonna do a random unboxing and like a quick first impression about some pair of earbuds and kind of give you the rundown on what I think about them in like a 10 minute, you know, here's what they sound like. First, first listen, first phone call, that sort of thing without going on too much of a deep dive. Um, because there's so many headphones out there. I feel like people just want to know what's good and what's bad. So I'm, I'm just going to start doing that because I have so many to go through and they've kind of been put on the back burner for a while. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. Now let's move in, into uh, the race that I just participated in. So the name of the race was called the Trail Animals Running Club Way Pack and Back. It's actually called the Wah Pack and Back, I think, but kind of depends who you ask. Uh, that name is up in the air. <laughs> the, so th this trail that where the race takes place is in, it starts in Ashburnham, Massachusetts, which is kind of uh, in the mid, the middle of Massachusetts, right on the northern border on the border of New Hampshire and the trail itself actually does cross the border into New Hampshire. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of right on the edge of Massachusetts and New Hampshire. This trail, uh, traverses a bunch of small mountains in, uh, the range there. So there's, 
I, th- I think there's like five or six mountains, um, but they're all like under two, 2,000 feet. So they're not very tall mountains, but there's a lot of ups and downs along the trail. And this race in particular offers three different distances. You can run 21 and a half miles, 43 miles, or 50 miles. And the reason for those distances is because the trail itself, the Wapak Trail, is 21 and a half miles long from the southern end to the northern terminus. So if you sign up for the 21 and a half uh, mile race, you are bused, you take a school bus from the southern end to the northern end, and then you run south, where if you sign up for the 43 or the 50, you run from the southern end to the northern end, turn around and do the whole trail all over again. And that's how you get to 43 miles. Then if you go for the 50 miler, you turn around yet again after the 43 and do one more out and back over Mount Watatic or Watatic, Wat, Watatic, uh, at the Southern end of the trail. That is a mountain that's like 2000 feet tall. You go up and over that turn around and then come back again for that extra seven miles to get up to 50 miles. And the reason why they even do the 50, 50 mile distance is because that's kind of like a, a number people know in the ultra running community. So it's, you know, it makes more sense to do the out and back and do 43 miles than do the 50. But if you're up for the challenge and most people are, <laughs> I wasn't spoiler alert, uh, you go for the, go for the 50 miler. So you, you can say that you ran 50 miles. So going into this race, I was very undertrained and I was pretty stressed out about it because of all the things going on in the Dylan house, life has been just been crazy and I haven't really been logging the, the miles I should be. But I was pretty confident I could finish it, just might not be pretty. Um, I'm going to kind of walk you through my day on what happened. <laughs> but to give you uh, an idea of what this, what the vibe is like at this race, it is uh, super chill. It's kind of like not competitive at all unless you want it to be. And you're really just going out there for yourself. It's more of an adventure race and less of an like an organized event. The eight stations are there, but there's a, there's big gaps between them in some situations up to eight miles. So uh, there's not a ton of aid and the aid stations themselves were pretty limited in, in what they offered. Although they did have, I was surprised they actually had a lot of food uh, at the aid station. So appreciate that. And the really cool thing about the trail animals running club is that their events are just so cheap. Like to sign up for this was I think $60 and that even uh, granted the 21 and a half mile people a bus ride. So it's very grassroots. There's no you know prizes or awards. You can opt to buy a hat. They give you a cookie when you finish. So, you know, grassroots, uh, <laughs> a very inexpensive volunteer run thing. And I just love that style of race. It's like a no frills kind of thing. It takes place in the mountains. So you're out there. It feels like an adventure. It feels like you're doing this for yourself. So, yeah, pretty cool. So um, my day started at 3.30 a.m., uh, actually earlier than that. I think I woke up at 2.45 in the morning because the race started at 5, and it's about an hour drive from my house. And I wanted time to get up, kind of get my last-minute things together, drink my coffee, chill for a minute, maybe load the GPX file on my watch, which I, I did do that morning, and then you know hit the road and start driving. So I left the house at around like 3.30, uh, yeah, like 3.30, 3.45. Uh, but I, I was actually running a little bit behind and 
this is where my day started. When I got to the town of Ashburnham, there's a uh, kind of a main road there. I think the name of it's like 119 or something. And I was going a little fast, okay? I admit, I was probably breaking the speed limit. And that's uh, when I saw the flashing blue lights in my rearview mirror. (laughs) So I got pulled over by the Ashburnham police officers. Uh, It wasn't great. It was like, I was like 10 minutes away from the starting line. And I was panicking because I was like, oh man, they're going to run my plate. They're going to ask for my ID and do all this stuff. And that that always takes so long. And I'm going to miss the start of the race. But fortunately the police officer that pulled me over was the nicest guy ever. And he was like, Hey man, you're going a little bit fast where you headed. I told him about the race and he was like shocked that people even ran 50 miles. So he checked my history. I have a pretty clean history, but like my last ticket was like in 2008 or something. Um, and he let me go with a warning. So thank you very much. Uh, Ashburnham police officer, I forget your name. But much appreciated uh, and apologies for going a little fast. Anyways, I showed up at the starting line of the race at like 4.50 and the race started at 5. And there was a little bit of a walk from where I parked to the starting line. So I kind of hustled over there, got my bib, got the bib on, you know, put the safety pins in my shorts, got everything ready, um, dropped off my drop bag. That was another thing they offered the ability to, to have a drop bag at the turnaround point for the uh, 43 and 50 mile runners. So that was cool. And um, yeah, 5 a.m. came around and it was like the most casual start to a race ever. Uh, The race director was basically like five, four, three, two, one. All right, go have fun. (laughs) And that was it. We were off. So um, let me stop here and just say, if you haven't seen the video about this race yet, go over to the YouTube channel. I'll have links in the show notes. And you can see all all the clips and highlight reels from this whole thing in a, uh, I think it was like an eight minute video. But here, I just want to go through like the gritty details of my day. And it, but if you want a highlight reel of this whole event, make sure to check out the YouTube channel instead. So uh, 5 a.m., we hit the trail and the uh, the race the field here was pretty small. I think there were only 37 runners signed up for the 50 and 43 mile race. There were a lot more runners signed up for the 21 and a half. So, um, yeah, it was like a limited field for the longer distances, which was kind of cool because, uh, we, we spread out very quickly. Like after the first couple of miles, we all kind of broke up into smaller groups and it was less crowded, which I prefer. I don't like running trails with a ton of people, to give you an idea of the trails here uh, on the white, the Wapak Trail, it's pretty rugged. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs. And for the most part, the trail is single track, so it's wide enough for one person. So passing somebody is pretty tough. Uh, however, there is some areas along the trail that actually hit the road or double track. And there's some areas where it's a little bit wider and more open. But like when you're up in the mountains, it's all single track. It's all very rugged, very rooty, very rocky, wet, muddy, that sort of thing. It is not like a very, um, it's not like a buffed out, you know, casual trail. This can get pretty, pretty brutal in some areas. So uh, passing people or or running uphill or any of that is a little bit tough here. Um, Anyways, uh, we hit the trail at 5 a.m. We get, we're climbing up the first ascent, which is Mount Watatic or Watatic. I don't even know how to pronounce it. And 
when we got to the top of that first mountain, the sun was coming up. And let me tell you, it was the most spectacular sunrise. Again, check out the YouTube video. You can see this. Um, but it was absolutely beautiful. It was like cotton candy clouds, kind of pastel colors, really vibrant fire in the sky kind of thing. And all of the runners up there kind of took a minute and just kind of enjoyed the view. You know, everyone was taking pictures and selfies and doing their thing. And that's, you know, that's kind of the vibe of this race. It wasn't so competitive that people didn't feel like they could stop and kind of take it in for a minute. So I spent a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes at the top of the first peak. Uh, and then I kind of took off in another group of people that were going downhill. Um, right here is about when we took a wrong turn. We ended up doing two laps over the summit by accident. So we probably tacked on another, like, I don't know, a uh, quarter of a mile of, of distance to the race, but we eventually figured it out. Uh, oh yeah. So I also wanted to mention some of the gear I used at this race. I was wearing the ultra lone peak 6.0s on my feet for shoes. I just like how they are for, for this kind of distance and this kind of terrain. They've, they've got a good enough amount of cushion and grip. And I was also wearing the Solomon advanced skin 12 set vest for hydration and for storage of my camera and my water and, uh, some, um, snacks and things like that. Also an extra layer and a wind wind shell in the back at the starting line. I was wearing the, uh, Patagonia Houdini wind shell because it was pretty chilly out in the morning. It was like, I don't know, 40 degrees, maybe even the high thirties and up on the higher elevations. I say high, high elevations, but the mountains aren't very tall here. Uh, it was even a little bit colder. So it got pretty cold in the morning, but kind of warmed up throughout the day. So I ended up taking off that jacket and store storing it in the back and for a watch, I had the Garmin Tactic 7 uh, Pro Solar on my wrist. So probably overkill, but it was what I wore for the day. So um, back to the back to the trail. The first 10 miles kind of blew by. Like I felt very actually felt surprisingly good. Nutrition was going right. I was staying hydrated. I kept one bottle full of uh, really concentrated tailwind mix, which is like an electrolyte sugar drink. And then my other bottle I kept as just plain water. So I could kind of dial in uh, exactly what I wanted in terms of hydration. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about like having too much sodium or sugar. I could kind of tailor that by having, you know, plain water and the concentrated mix. And that actually worked out really well. So, uh, for the first 10 miles or so, I was just cruising along, uh, had a great conversation with a guy named Ryan, a guy named, uh, Jason, and we just were banging through the aid stations and, um, you know, really enjoying the trail and the weather. Uh, it turned out to be a really nice day. The sun ended up coming up eventually and yeah, just a really enjoyable first 10 miles. Now going from mile 10 to 20, was a little bit different. Like I started to feel the effects of not getting a really good night's sleep the night before. My daughter is seven months old. Um, kids were up late because it was Friday night the night before and they're enjoying themselves and they should, but I should have got to bed a little bit earlier. Um, so I started to feel a little bit more run down. And then by mile 20, I was really, I, I think I hit my low point there. Probably, I don't know if I'd call it a bonk, but I wasn't feeling really good. I was kind of starting to feel fatigued and, uh, overall just a, a sense of, 
of being tired. And obviously I just ran 20 miles in the mountains, um, but a little bit more tired than I was hoping for. <laughs> I was hoping to keep it together for a little bit longer, but it is what it is. Uh, but so far still, you know, moving, still running, jogging where I could mainly hiking the uphills and, you know, running the downhills and flats, but still a pretty solid movement, uh, kind of, you know, a good flow still happening and not really like walking everything yet. We'll be back after a quick break. My name is Tom Buck, and this is The Enthusiasm Project. Join me each week for deep dives exploring the world of what it means to be an independent creator on YouTube, starting your own creative business, and keeping a positive, enthusiastic mindset along the way. New episodes of The Enthusiasm Project are available every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, this is about the point where we hit the uh, turnaround point, which is the end of the trail. At mile 21.5, you come out to an area called Mountain Road. There was a final aid station here where you could access your drop bag and refuel, get your water and tailwind and stuff, and then turn around and start heading back the other direction to do the entire trail over again, which is very daunting. <laughs> But uh, I only spent a couple of minutes at the aid station. I just got a new GoPro battery because my battery had died and I ended up filming on my phone a little bit and then got some snacks, uh, got a couple of avocado bacon wraps and tortillas that they were making at the aid stations, which really hit the spot. I was eating these all day. Um, and then I started heading back in the other direction. And that's when I really hit a low point from mile 30 to mile 40 I was struggling pretty hard. I started walking most of it. My knee started hurting. I actually had some pain in my right Achilles tendon that started to creep in a little bit. And I was really struggling at this point. I had a couple of people pass me here and ask if I was okay because I was walking on the flats and the downhills and my mood really went south for a while here. But um, I held it together and from mile 30 to 40, it just, it wasn't great. I mean, I was moving, but I wasn't feeling like really awesome. Uh, and you know, it just, it, it is what it is. The, these things happen and I really slowed down here now for whatever reason at around mile 30, I think, I don't know. I started, I ate, uh, I had this like coconut granola bar and it started to, the temperature started to warm up a little bit and I don't know, whatever it was, I kind of got a second wind and I started running again in from mile 30 to 40. <laughs> I don't know why I actually had a really good race. I was running, I was jogging, I actually passed a couple of people. Uh, and those people had previously passed me and, you know, asked if I was okay. And now I, I was passing them and asking them if they were okay. Uh, there was a guy out there who actually injured his knee and he was using his trekking poles as sort of crutches. I felt really bad for him, but he was still moving. And then, uh, there was another guy who just kind of wasn't in a great mood. He was kind of struggling a bit, um, but he was still moving. And my morale started to go up because now I'm passing people. I'm moving again. I'm running again. My pace is getting a little bit faster. And yeah, I mean, from mile 30 to 40, it all kind of came together and I was feeling pretty good again. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that was still bugging me is my right Achilles tendon still barking at me. I think I actually twisted it. Like I hit a rock the wrong way and rolled my ankle. 
Um, it wasn't like a major roll, but it was enough to stretch that Achilles and do a little bit of damage, and it kind of hurt for the remainder of the race. So um, kept on moving, and uh, at this point, I'm you know, when I signed up for the race, I was like, I'm going to run 50 miles. So in my head, I had the 50-mile distance. But the beautiful thing about this race is that if you're not feeling it, you can drop down and still finish at a lower distance. So you could still run the 43, even though you signed up for the 50, they're actually the same res registration. So it's up to you to decide if you want to run the 50 or the 43. Now in my mind, I really wanted to do the 50 just because that's a, a nice round, round number that everyone knows. And it obviously sounds more impressive. And like as a non ultra runner, when you look at the distance and you see 43 and 50, you're like, that's only seven more miles. That's really not bad. But in the situation, seven more miles is like two more hours. <laughs> it's a long time. And that seven miles is up and over another mountain at the end of that 43-mile distance. So it's a lot. It's more than it seems. It's not like seven miles on the road. It's seven miles up a mountain, down the other side, turn around and go up the mountain again. So quite, quite a bit of elevation gain in that last seven miles. Long story short, I'm at mile 40, and in my head at this point, I've already made the decision that I'm going to stop at 43. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I really wanted 50, but I just knew that it was a little too much for me. I, I, I don't know. I just, I had already in my head made the decision to stop at 43. And so I ran in the last few miles, finally got to the, the brown gate at the uh, starting line, tapped the gate, and uh, told the race director there that that I was done. He gave me a little little bit of a pep talk trying to get me back out there. But like I said, I, I already made the decision in my head. And I really, like, I had nothing to prove. I went there to have fun and challenge myself. I did have fun. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like I had a goal time in mind. I actually did a little bit. Like, so I'll get into this in a little bit. But I'm also signed up for the Vermont 100, which is in July of 2022. And part of part of the uh, deal with Vermont is you have to qualify. And the way you qualify is you run a 50 mile race in under 12 hours, or you run a hundred mile race in under, I think it's 32 hours. So the problem with that rule, that qualification rule is that all 50 mile ultras are not equal in this this uh, Wapak and back race in particular is really hard. It's got some rugged terrain and it's really hard to run sub 12 hours there. I mean, even the first place person is typically around like 10 or 11 hours. So to get sub 12, you're in the, you're in the top five. You're, you're basically on the podium. If you're running sub 12 at the Wapak and back, which, you know, if I had a chance of hitting that for the 50 mile distance, I probably would have went back out and tried, but I had already at 43, I was already past 12 hours. So in my head, I was like, there's really no point for me to go back out there. Like the only thing I'd be doing is maybe injuring my ankle more and maybe getting 50 miles as a finisher, which would be nice, but is it worth it to injure my ankle more? Probably not. So I stopped the race at mile 43 and my stats for the entire race was 43 and a half miles and about 11,000 feet in elevation gain in total. 
And I did that in 12 hours and 15 minutes, something like that. I don't have the official time yet because they haven't posted the results, but my watch said like 12.15, which is interesting because I ran this race before back in 2018, where I actually finished in uh, 11 hours and 45 minutes. So back in 2018, I feel like I was on the peak of my fitness back then. I was in really good shape and I hammered this race. So knowing that I'm only like 25 minutes slower is not that bad. <laughs> I've got two more kids. I'm four years older and uh, I was only 20 minutes slower. So I'll take that as a win. Anyways, uh, that was the end of the race, 43 miles, uh, 12 hours, 15 minutes. And I was totally hosed. I was so tired. And the real bummer about being wiped out like that is the hour drive home. I had to take a minute and like sit in my car, drink some ginger ale, try to you know, rejuvenate myself, get myself energized a little bit before I hit the uh, road again to drive home. But the nice thing is that it was early enough where when I got home, it wasn't super late. I could still eat dinner and see my kids before they went to bed. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the advantage of starting early is that the day wasn't totally over by the time I finished. But all in all, it was a really awesome race in the real takeaway was like, it was just good to be racing again. I was out there. I mean, I don't want to trigger anybody, but no one was wearing masks. I could see a smiling face. Everyone, it was like the old days all over again. It, it felt good to be in a race atmosphere around people, like-minded people, having, you know, chatting about upcoming races, good weather. Just, it was so, I don't know. It, it was exhilarating and great in it really fulfilled me socially, physically, mentally. Uh, yeah, I just felt really good after that race, especially the next day. I was just like all smiles and really, uh, you know, I'm proud of myself. The distance went well and, uh, you know, I finished. So yeah, that was the, uh, WAPAC and back. And I hope I, I hope I covered all the details I wanted to. I probably missed something, but that's kind of the gist of it in a nutshell. Now, let's talk about what it's been like since the race. I'm now, let's see, it was uh, Saturday. Let's see, the race was on May 7th. It's May 12th right now. So 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, we're, we're five days out. And I've had a couple of things going on in terms of recovery. First of all, my sacral iliac joint, my SI joint, which is like the joint in your pelvis that connects your hip uh, to your pelvic bone has been really fired up ever since the race. This isn't, this is something I've been running into as I get older last year, this the same thing happened and I ended up getting a cortisone injection last year, which did help for like, I, that really solved the issue. Uh, and I've been running and racing stuff ever since then, but I feel like I might need to go back for another injection or some sort of therapy because man, like when I wake up in the morning, it's something about sleeping on your back for, or staying still for a long period of time. It tends to, I don't know, lock up and agitate and get inflamed. So when I wake up and take those first steps in the morning, I'm like hobbling like an old man because that SI joint is just really fired up and inflamed. So I've been struggling with that a little bit. Other than that, my legs are basically, they were fried. They were toast after, after the race but not, not really like just the expected amount. They weren't totally blown. I feel like I could run right now if it weren't for my hip. So I've been not running at all ever since Saturday. 
but I plan to get back out there this weekend because it's going to be so nice out. Uh, the next couple of days coming up are going to be like 70, 80 degrees Fahrenheit here in New England, which is going to feel like summer to us. Like I'm going to be putting the air conditioners in the windows and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's how, how it gets around here. Uh, so that kind of weather, I'm definitely going to have to get outside, but I've been taking it easy ever since the race. And it's mainly just because of that SI joint, I don't want to really, I don't want to trigger it. I don't want to make it any worse. So I've been, uh, taking my time with it. I've been doing the, the air massage boot things and I've been doing, you know, uh, the massage gun and just kind of, you know, taking it easy. And that's kind of where I am right now. So that's, that's it. That's the, uh, the WAP back and back. And now let's talk about what I've got coming up next in terms of racing and what's on the calendar. Uh, we've got another race coming in about four weeks called the Chesterfield Gorge Ultra. And the reason why I'm signed up for this one is because, like I said, I need a qualifier for Vermont and I didn't qualify at WAPAC. So Chesterfield is my last chance. And the difference between WAPAC and Chesterfield is that Chesterfield is a very easy course. It's like uh, 800 feet of elevation gain per lap on a seven and a half mile lap. And I'm going to run the 50 mile there. The last time I ran at Chesterfield, I completed 50 miles in eight and a half hours for my 50 mile PR. So I think I'll be able to qualify there. And if I don't, then I'm going to have to find something else to do in July, <laughs> maybe a personal project. Uh, but I'm pretty confident that I will make that time. I've also been like, I don't know, I'm kind of up in the air with racing. Like I really love racing. I love the the vibe and environment, but I also love personal projects and going back to my roots and just getting out in the mountains by myself and coming up with like a crazy 30 mile loop that I can do alone and be responsible for my own nutrition and water and just make a day out of it. So I got to put some of those days on the calendar. Um, I don't want to make it all about racing because that's really not that's really not my whole vibe. I really want to, you know, diversify a little bit because I love the mountains. I love getting out there and just being alone and being isolated. But on the other hand, after this whole pandemic thing, I do like seeing people. <laughs> it's been a while for a guy who, uh, you know, works from home and, uh, mainly does solo activities. Seeing people is a nice change of pace. As I say this, I'm in my home office right now talking to a microphone by myself. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Chesterfield is the next on the calendar in June. And then after that, in July, like I said, will be Vermont. And if you don't know what Vermont is, it's an iconic uh, U.S. It's a it's a big deal here in America. It's one of the oldest ultra marathons. There's a, a lottery to get into it. It's a Western States qualifier. There's a lot of you know hubbub around it, which is why they have rules like the lottery to get in the uh you know, the qualifying rules, the, you actually have to go through, uh, you have to be vaccinated. Uh, there's a lot of different rules around it, which I don't love, but I'm trying to play by the rules because I do want to run the race. Uh, and if I don't get in whatever I'll, you know, like I said, I'll just find something else to do. And that's kind of it. That's all I've got on the calendar for the summer. Like I said, I want to pepper in some like solo days for myself in there and see what I can do in the mountains. But, uh, but as for racing, that's kind of all I got. I might sign up for some other local, there's like a 50 K not far from here, uh, that might, that I might do, but nothing is concrete yet. Okay. How long have I been, have I been talking for? Uh, 36 minutes. Holy crap. 
okay, let's let's move into the news now. Now that I talked about me, let's talk about what's happening in the fitness tech, uh, wearable tech, uh, tech in general, things I care about news. There's a few things, and the first one is not related to running or wearables at all, but it's something I'm interested in, and that is the new DJI Mini 3. So this is a drone, of course, made by DJI. And if you don't know, I've previously been using the DJI Mini 2 since it came out. It's a really fun drone, really small, small enough I can throw it in my running vest, go up to the top of a mountain, launch it, and get some really cool shots. So uh, it's been a ton of fun. The problem with the Mini 2 is a couple of things. The range, the ability to fly in higher winds, and also the fact that it doesn't have any tracking capabilities, which is a real bummer for me, who's someone who does a lot of solo activities. So the D, the DJI Mini 3 that just got that just came out has uh, the tracking capabilities, which is really exciting for me. It's also got a new remote with a display built into it, which is kind of a big deal to me because on the old DJI drones, you had to mount your phone to the top of the remote and use a little cable to plug it in and use that as your display. That whole process was very fiddly and like to get set up and get the drone off the ground always took several minutes, which is super annoying. So the ability to have a a remote with this new drone that has the display built right into it means you can get up and running a lot quicker. It's also a little less stressful where if you use your phone to fly a drone and you get a phone call, it actually, the phone call will pop up and block your view of your drone or like a text message or whatever. Uh, There's a lot of things that can get in the way or uh, be distracting. Uh, And if if you're low on battery or you're trying to get your drone back, that can be really stressful. So it's nice to just have this built in like, tablet type thing in the remote that doesn't have any of the phone capabilities. It's really only for flying. So that is really cool. The other thing is they've added uh, additional range now up to 12 kilometers, which is crazy. Longer battery life, a way better camera with 48 megapixels uh, for stills. It can shoot uh, 4K 60p, which is crazy for slow motion, can do 1080p, uh, 120p for really slow motion. And it's still super small and light. Now, if you don't, if you don't own a drone or know what drones are all about, if you buy a drone that is under 250 grams, you get around a lot of the red tape that traditionally you'd have to go through. So if you have a heavier drone, you have to register it with the FAA so they know you own it. Um, And then there's a bunch of rules around it. With these smaller, lighter drones under 250 grams, there's less rules. So you don't have to register with the FAA and there's less rules overall. However, that's not to say there are no rules. You still have to abide by the basic rules like flying so far, you know, you have to be in line of sight. You have to be 400 feet above ground level uh, or stay within that rule. You have to uh, stay away from populated areas or highways. There's a lot of do not fly zones and helicopter landing pads and aircrafts and things like that. You have to be very careful. So you know, just because you don't have to register it doesn't mean there are no rules and you can fly anywhere. There are still rules, but there's less and it's a little bit less of a headache. It also feels like less committing when you put the thing in the air, knowing it's a tiny little thing. I don't know. There's something about it that feels a little bit easier, a little less stressful about the smaller drones. So for me, 
I'm, I already ordered one. I've got one on pre-order and I'm planning to sell my mini two. So if you're in the market for a DJI mini two, uh, hit me up, shoot, shoot me an Instagram message because I'm selling my DJI mini two with the, uh, fly more combo and it's in great condition. So if you want one, uh, shoot me a message. It's going to be quite affordable, but I do need to, uh, offset the price of this new drone because the new one is not cheap. It's a lot more expensive than the old one was, but I'm pretty excited about it. Okay, next up in fitness tech news is uh, something pretty cool from Garmin. They've actually uh, announced and launched an easier way to get into the beta program. So if you don't know, Garmin always has a beta program. So if you have a Garmin Phoenix or Epix or Forerunner or whatever, you can go on Garmin's website and download beta software. And this beta software will have features that are not fully polished yet and fully released, but they it gives you the ability to test them out before they send it out to the masses, which is pretty cool. Now, previously, if you wanted to partake in this beta software, it was kind of clunky. You needed to download the files, which are like zip files, and there were multiple different files for different things. And you'd uh, have to download them to your computer. Then you need to plug your watch into your computer with a USB cable and transfer the files to the watch. And then you reboot the watch and the, the watch would update itself but it was kind of uh, a headache. It felt a little bit clunky. It wasn't very streamlined. So yeah, it was always kind of like something if you're really nerdy, you could do. But for the most part, like most users probably wouldn't do. Uh, so there, yeah, that's how it used to be. So Garmin, the big change here is there is a new way to get beta firmware and it's right through Garmin Connect now. So if you log into your Garmin Connect account on a computer or tablet, not through the app. You can't do this through the actual Connect app. You have to be on the website. Uh, when you click on your device, there's now a button that says uh, sign up for beta firmware, firmware right below the device. And so when you click this button, it'll allow you to enter, enter the beta firmware program and you can leave at any time by clicking the button again to leave it. After you click this button, the firmware updates, the latest beta firmware will be installed to your device over the air without any wires, without having to plug it into your computer, without having to download anything. You can do it right over the air now and it will install to your watch, which is really cool. Now, up front, this is available for uh, the Garmin Phoenix, Epix, and Enduro watches. They haven't rolled it out for everything yet, like the 945 or uh, 455 or 245. None of those watches have this yet. It's only for the Phoenix, the Epix, and the Enduro. And more specifically, I think it's the Phoenix 6 and 7, Epix Gen 2, and Enduro. So not available for everything, but I do really like that they've made this change. So if you want to try something out, you can do it over the air and not have to be all, you know, really nerdy and fiddly with USB cables and stuff. Pretty cool. And the final piece of tech news that I want to talk about today is Apple AirPods Pro 2. There is a bunch of leaked information. I think I talked about this last week, but there's way more information out there now about these new earbuds, and I'm actually really excited about them. First of all, there's some leaked images about the AirPods Pro 2 that show that the, there's no stem anymore. Like if, if you've seen Air, the uh, AirPods or the AirPods Pro before, they've got that stem sticking off of them that just looks funny to me. Like I hate the look of them. <laughs> They're just kind of out there. And it looks like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't love the look of AirPods, which is why I don't wear them. 
but they do sound good and they are convenient for Apple users. So these new AirPods Pro have a new look without the stem and there's also going to be more color options available. Another change is that they thin down the case to be more streamlined and from the leaked images, it shows that it has a USB Type-C port instead of a lightning connector, which is great. And hopefully Apple just eliminates the lightning connector uh, over time, which kind of stinks for iPhone users like me, but I think it's a dying it's a dying connector and USB-C is just way better and it's better to have universal cables than proprietary cables. So hopefully everything goes USB-C, but that's how these AirPods Pro look so far. In terms of features, there's one leaked feature or rumored feature that sounds pretty interesting to me, but I don't know how real it is. Um, and it's that the AirPods Pro 2 might have the ability to have some sort of uh, fitness tracking capabilities. And I don't know what that really means, but apparently it might work in conjunction with an Apple Watch or your phone to give you more data about your activities. So if you go for a run while you're wearing the AirPods Pro, it sounds like there's, there might be an accelerometer or a gyro or something in there that might be able to pick up some data. Again, this is totally rumored and not concrete at all. Totally speculating here, but I thought it would be worth mentioning. And it looks like these are going to be released in the fall of 2022. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure they'll launch alongside the new iPhone whenever we see that. And uh, that's kind of it for fitness tech news this week. I didn't have a lot to talk about. And really, I just wanted to talk on this podcast about my race, how that went, and talk that through, and then end it with the news. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, make sure to give me the old uh, follow, subscribe, or whatever. And definitely go over to your podcast listening place of choice and give me a rating. Like on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you're able to give me a five-star rating. And that really helps out the podcast as a whole. So I would appreciate that. And finally, if you if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy listening to what I'm talking about, I would really appreciate it if you went over to the Facebook group, the Discord server, or even on Instagram and shoot me a DM or through my website and shoot me a message through the contact form. And just give me some ideas on topics you might want to hear me discuss or guests that you want to hear on the podcast. I'm working on a couple of guests that are coming up very soon, but it's always good to have more ideas, more people that I could bring on and talk to you because that is always a good time. All right, folks, it is really nice out today. It's uh, currently 63 degrees Fahrenheit out there, but we're expecting a high of 73 today. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast. I'm going to go get myself some lunch, and then we are going to head outside and get some air for a little while. All right, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I will uh, see you or you will hear me in the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.